Hey, so I came across this uh, this week, and it says, uh, if you can do this with a potato, think of all God can do with you. If you can do this with a potato, think of all God can do with you. Now, which one of those are your favorite, do you think? Yeah, right, yes. All of them. It would have to be tater tots for me because they're crunchy on the outside and nice and warm on the inside. And so I'm a big tater tot fan. Uh, and I know that's funny. You think, why in the world are you talking about, preacher? Uh, and I go, you'll just have to trust me in that. We'll maybe get back to this or maybe we won't. I'll just hold you in suspense for that. But we've got a lot of text to get through today. Uh, I, whenever I did my slides this week, I have 99 slides. That's a new record at Refuge, but the good thing is that 67 of those are the text. There's 67 verses in our text today in Genesis chapter 24, so turn there, and we're going to jump in and get started uh, right away with that. So here we go. Verse 1, now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh that I make, make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. May I then take your son back to the land from which you came? And Abraham said to him, see to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring I will give this land, he will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife from my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you'll be free from this oath of mine, only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took 10 of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of the evening, the time when the women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, <clears throat> and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, please set down your jar that I may drink, and who shall say, drink and I will water your camels, let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this, I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, please give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, drink, my Lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water. She drew it for all his camels. The man gazed, in her, the, the man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. 
When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring, weighted a half shekel, and two bracelets for her arms, weighing ten gold shekels, and said, Please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I'm the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. <clears throat> she said, We have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. The man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord. I said, blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love for his, and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me to the way of the house of the master's kinsman. Then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban. Laban ran out, to the man, to the sp- ran out toward the man to the spring. As soon as he saw the ring and bracelets on his sister's arms, he heard the words of Rebecca, his sister. Thus the man spoke to me, and he went to the man, and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. He said, come, O blessed of the Lord, why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So so they came back to the house and unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels. And there was water uh, to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Then the food was set, then food was set before him. But before, uh, but he said, I will not eat until I've said what I have to say, he said. And then he said, speak on. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master, and he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah and uh, my master's wife bore a son to my master when she was old, and to him he has given all that he has. My master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife of my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I dwell. But you shall go to my father's house and to my clan and take a wife for my son. And I said to my master, perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, the Lord before whom I have walked will send an angel with you and prosper your way. You shall take a wife for my son from the clan and from from my father's house. Then you will be free from my oath when you come to my clan. And if they will not give you to her, you will be free from my oath. I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you are prospering the way that I go, behold, I'm standing by the spring of water. Let the virgin who comes out to draw water, to whom I shall say, please give me a little water from your jar drink, uh, from your jar to drink. And whom will say to me, drink and I will draw for your camels. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Before I'd finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebecca came out with her water jar on her shoulder. And she went down to the spring and drew water. And I said to her, please let me drink. She quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, drink, and I will give you camels to, your camels to drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels drink also. Then I asked her, whose daughter are you? She said, the daughter of Bethuel. Nahor's son from Milcah bore to him. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her arms. Then I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who led who had led me by the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. Now then, if you're going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me. And if not, tell me that I may turn to the right, or that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing has come to us from the Lord. We cannot speak to you bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. When Abraham's servant heard the words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. And the servant brought out jewelry and silver of gold of garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave her to her brother and to her mother's costly uh, ornaments. <clears throat> and he said to the men who were with him, who were with him, ate and drank, and they spent the night. 
there, and they also rose in the morning. He said, send me away to my master. Her brother and her mother said, uh, let your young woman remain with us a while. At, at least 10 days after that, she may go. But he said to them, do not delay me. Since the Lord has prospered my way, send me my way that I may go to my master. They said, they said let us call the young woman and ask her. And they called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man? She said, I will go. So they sent away Rebecca, their sister, to the house uh, and her nurse, and Abraham, and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, Our sister may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate him. Then Rebecca and her young women arose and rode on the camels and followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Now Isaac had returned from Beer Laharoi and was uh, dwelling in the Negev. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward the evening, and he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel, and she said to the servant, who is this man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, it is my master. And so she took the veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all these things that she had done. Then Isaac brought her to the tent of Sarah, her, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she came, became his wife. And he loved her, so Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Let me pray. God, we need you. That's a lot of words, and that's a lot of verses, and that's a big story. Holy Spirit, help me today as I preach what you've laid on my heart for this time, for this moment, even today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So as you would agree, this is quite the long passage, amen? Uh, and so when I, as a pastor, when I was reading through this text, I was thinking, what in the world am I going to do with this text? I mean, how in the world am I going to preach this text to people in 2020? And, but just as God has done for 11 years, he is faithful. Say that with me. God is faithful. Yeah, God is faithful whenever we do things. Whenever we ask him and we ask him, we tell him we need things, God is faithful. He is faithful in the big things, um, like moving people from death to life. And we've seen God move people from death to life here at Refuge. Amen? Yeah, and so who's got a favorite person that they've seen move from death to life? Yeah, I, I've got some that I can think back and go, that one is just one I remember that is stuck in my memory. And, and so you've probably seen that too. Maybe it's somebody in your family. And so we've seen God do amazing big things. Literally, that's the biggest thing, people. That's the biggest thing, that he moves somebody from death to life. And so we've seen him do that here at Refuge. I was reminded this week as I was meeting with Larry McBee that we, uh, you as a church family, we are helping support our Navajo friends out on the reservation. It is a desolate area there. It is a poor area there. People live just off of just almost nothing. But you church family are providing food for them on a monthly basis. We send a, you may not know this, but we send a Walmart truck out there once a month. And it's full of food and supplies that they need. And I was, I, I'd forgotten about it because we didn't talk about it in a while. But we send one out every month uh, that costs them absolutely nothing because you are a generous people. And so we see God providing for people that you don't even think about uh, by the generosity of your regular ongoing giving. And so we've seen him do some really big things like that. But he's also faithful in the little things, like helping me understand and apply this text in Genesis chapter 24 as well. So thanks be to, thanks be to God for his indescribable grace. Amen? Yeah. So, um, so uh, uh, to start today's message, I have uh, uh, five points, and they all begin with P. Uh, and so Elvis and I say to that, 
Uh, thank you very much. Uh, all of them uh, begin with P, and so hopefully that will help you remember some of these things that we're talking about today. So let's jump back into the text. We'll begin in verse 1. Here's what the text says. Now, Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh, that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. So the first word, the first P word is this, promise. A promise is what they talked about in this uh, very first part of the text. So I have asked Kenneth to be my volunteer. So Kenneth, come up here for just a second. Yes. Um, And so the way this works in the text is Abraham said to his servant, I need you to come up here and I need you to promise me that you are going to uh, do exactly as I say. Um, And so this is what they did. The text says that he puts his hand under his thigh. Ready for this? So so we can run right past it, but I need you to see this because this is really important. This is what happened. So he said, I need you to, so this would be Abraham sitting in, in the chair and I would be his servant. And so Abraham would say to his servant, I need you to put your hand under my thigh. So what does that do if I put my hand under his thigh? Put you real close. Yeah, it makes me go down. What, what does this do if I have to do this? Where am I looking? Yeah, I die, right? This is, get really close because what I'm about to tell you is really, really important, okay? All right, we're not, we're not going to stay right here <laughs> and make everybody nervous. Thank you, Kenneth. So this was a way to express the seriousness about what it was that he was about to say. And, and so just think of the difference in, in, in what just happened there. If I'm going to tell Kenneth something very serious and I'm going to put my hand under his thigh to tell him something, I mean, you think about that whenever you do that with your kids, Right? especially your younger kids, I would always, if I had something really serious to say to my little short people in my house, I would get down on on one knee and and I would pull them really close so that I could look them right in the eye. And that's essentially what was happening. This wasn't a thing where where, uh, Abraham's servant was kind of over here across the room or he was leaned up on the the bar there in, in their house. This was a very serious moment. He said, you look me in the eyes. And you listen to what it is that I'm saying. And so that's why he said, you put your hand under my thigh. And so uh, uh, he said, this is a, a, a very serious thing. I'm, I'm gonna, I want you to promise me. And so Abraham told his servant to promise him that I want you to do exactly what I say. And Abraham's servant said, well, hey, I, I hear what you're saying, but what happens if she doesn't want to come back? Should I take Isaac to the land? And Abraham emphatically said, No, 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 no way, Jose. Uh, We are not taking, uh, you're not going to go back to that land. Look what it says in verse 6. Abraham said to him, see to it that you do not take my son back there. He said, the Lord had promised to give us this land and God will do what he says. So if the woman is willing to, uh, unwilling to come back with you, then you're free from this oath that we've just made right here uh, with your hand under my thigh. And 
So the, uh, the servant decides to load up 10 camels. Uh, he uh, loads up the family truckster, uh, and he heads to Mesopotamia uh, to fulfill what it was that Abraham had called him to do. And it was there that Abraham's um, servant did what was clearly essential for him on this mission, and honestly, essential for him on the mission, and essentially, and, and essential for us today, as we talk about living on mission here at Refuge, he did that next thing, and the second P is prayer. Look with me in verse 12. Here's what the text says. And he said, uh, so the servant began to pray once he got there. Oh, Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I'm standing by the spring of water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, please let down your jar that I may drink. And who shall say, drink and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. So prayer is the second P that we talk about from our text to say. And so he was very specific in his prayer that he prayed. He, uh, he didn't ask uh, for success or I'm excuse, he did ask for success. He's like, hey, I need you to grant me success in the middle of what I'm doing. He petitioned God to help him in the middle of everything that he was doing. He didn't ask for his own good. He wasn't praying for his own benefit. He was asking God to help him be successful on his master's behalf. And so he said, show steadfast love for my my master Abraham and what it is that you're calling me to do. And so he asked specific, uh, specifically uh, for God to show him that he was in all this that was about to happen. And I'm sure that the servant was nervous. Wouldn't you think so? I mean, you've been sent out to do a really big deal, a really big thing. So I'm sure he had to be nervous. Uh, this was quite the scavenger hunt that he had been sent on. You know, Go find me a wife of all the people out there. And here's what's going to happen. Uh, that was quite the hunt that he was going on. Yet he trusted God. He trusted God to do exactly what needed to be done at the time. He didn't lean on his own understanding. As a matter of fact, Proverbs tells us that very thing. Look at this in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. That's still a truth for today, people. That's still a truth for today. We don't have to lean on our own understandings. We can trust God. We can ask him and trust him whenever we ask him to show us what it is he wants us to do. Or from Paul's teaching, look what it says in Philippians, one of my favorite. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, say everything, everything, yeah, uh, that's how we say it here. In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the scripture goes on and to say this, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so we can trust God that we don't have to be anxious about things. We don't have to be nervous about what it is he calls us to do. We can trust him to show us, lead us, guide us, and show us exactly where he wants us to go and what it is he wants us to do. And so this servant was clearly a believer in the one true God, and he trusted God to give him direction in what it was that Abraham had called him to do. He believed that God would lead him to help him in his time of need. And sure enough, look what the text says in verse 15. Before he had finished speaking, see that? If you're a writer in your Bible, I would underline that or highlight that. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her, with her water jug on her 
her shoulder. Then uh, the young woman was very attractive in appearance, um, a maiden with whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. And then it got a little bit creepy. Uh, look at verse 21. Uh, he said, the man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. So she had come out. This, this Again, this is the way I'm picturing it. So she had come out, and she had done all these things that the text says, and the scripture says that the servant just gazed at her. I, you know, I picture it like he's kind of set over in the corner, and he's just kind of got his arms crossed. And he's just looking at her. He's just gazing at her. And so there, there's a, a pastor friend of mine. His name's Ray Ortland, And he's got this stare about him. Like if you ever ask Ray Ortland a question, he, he's a tremendous Bible teacher. If you have a, an ESV study Bible, he wrote the, uh, uh, the study notes to Isaiah. And so he's just like, he's like the Yoda, you know, of the, the preachers that I know. Uh, and, and so he's got this stare. If you ever ask him a question, he doesn't immediately answer you ask him the question, and then he like puts this stare that it talks about here in the text. He just stares right at you. And it's for a long time without him ever saying anything. And then he answers your question. And so that's kind of what I figure, that's, that's the way I picture this. You may know somebody like that. You may not know anybody like that. Uh, but that's what I always think about. So, uh, so he stared, and then the scripture says that Abraham's servant prayed a prayer of thanksgiving for God's provision, and then he asked, he's like, hey, um, can I stay at your house? Uh, can I come over and bring my animals over? And Rebecca said, sure, and, and brought him to uh, her house to meet his dad, and, I mean, to meet her dad, and uh, her dad recognized that he was a man sent from God and, and welcomed him into their home. And so he practiced hospitality. They, he, they welcomed him in. They, they made him feel comfortable. They prepared a meal to share with him. And Refuge, we ought to take notes here. And we ought to take notes that we, you know, many times we think the Old Testament is not that relative to us today. It's not that relevant to us today, uh, but we need to take notes here because what happened is, what happened here is the way that you and I are called to live. We're called to welcome in the strangers. You're not called to welcome in people that we may not know very well. Uh, you and I are called to, to make them feel at home. You, you and I are called to share our table with people that God sends our way. You and I are called to, uh, uh, to, to be hospi hospitable. This has been going on since Genesis. And so uh, my encouragement for you is to ask God, how's that working for you? Are you being hospitable? Are you opening your home to people around you so that we can, you can show them the love of Jesus and the care uh, that, that God loves them. The text, it says, before they got all comfortable, this servant of Abraham said, uh, I got some business to take care of before I sit down and eat the meal. And so verses 34 through 49 in our text, I'm not going to read them, uh, or Abraham's servant recounting this entire story again. So as we were reading the text, I, I hope you saw the, the story got told, and then you got to verse 34, and then the servant literally told that same story exactly again, over again to the people in, uh, in this text. And which brings me to my third, T, third P, which is particular. And, and so Abraham's did only what his master ascribed to him. He was very particular in the things that he said. And I love that about this text because it was like, I'm telling you to do exactly this and I want you to do exactly this. And what did the servant do? 
exactly, that's right, he did exactly this. He said, I I don't want you to turn to the left or to the right. Uh, He said it exactly like he was told. He didn't substitute any words. He didn't try to persuade them with some kind of soft talk. He didn't subtract any requirements that Abraham had given him. He simply became a herald of the message. He said it like it is. He said it confidently because he had confidence in his master, and he said it straightforward because the outcome was not dependent on him. He said it straightforward because this was not, I've got to talk somebody into this. The outcome was not dependent on him. It was dependent on what God had set out ahead. What does that sound like? It sounds like sharing the gospel. That's what, it, that's what it reminds me of. We share the good news of the gospel just like it is. There's only one message whenever we share the gospel. We share it confidently because that's our marching orders from our master. He says, you go and you share the gospel. You tell people about me. And we share it straightforward because the outcome is not dependent on us. When we share the gospel, it is not dependent on us whether or not someone becomes a Christian or not. That's dependent on who? God, and specifically which part of the Godhead? Holy Spirit, yeah, because the Holy Spirit is the one who is working in someone's, uh, in someone's life. So if I share the gospel with you and you don't respond, I'm off the hook. I've done what I've been called to do. But if I share the gospel with you and you respond, I'm still, there's no, there's no, nothing for me because the Holy Spirit is the one who has awakened you to the gospel. So we're just called to follow our master's orders. Tracking with me? Yeah, and God does the work. So the message that our call is to deliver is particular. The message that the call was to deliver here was very particular. Now let's look at the next P. It's provision. Look in verse 49. Now then, if you're going to show steadfast love and and faithfulness to my master, tell me, and if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left hand. He's like, hey, uh, uh, we're either going to do this or we're not going to do this. Verse 50, then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, this thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go and let her be the wife of your master's son as the Lord has spoken. So the, the fourth is provision. She said yes to the dress. Come on, people. She said, yes to the dress. Verse 16 told us already that she was very beautiful, hashtag easy on the eyes, uh, and that she was a maiden who no man had known. That, so the, the, that's, who, what the, um, that's what the text told us, that she was a very pretty and she was attractive, and so this was a winner. This was like gold star. You know, like, yeah, it was like, this is a really, really good thing. And, and so he went in expecting God to answer, and then verse 51 says, the Lord has spoken. That's what it said in the text. Take her, let Rebecca be Isaac's wife. And so he said, I'm going to ask God for something. I'm going to believe God for an answer. And then right, he said, even before he got it out of his mouth, God answered and said, this is what this is going to be. And so God, the, the thing we want to take from that is God makes provision in the places where he leads us. So whether that's church or home or kids or our spouses or uh, difficult situations or scary situations or uncertain situations or impossible situations, God is the one who makes provisions uh, for the places he leads us. Here's another way to say that. Where God guides, God provides. 
Where he guides you, God will provide for you. If he needs to give you something to do, if, he needs, if, he, if you need something along the way and God has called you to do it, then God will make a provision for it. That's what he does all through the scriptures. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so he'll do those same kinds of things for you and me today. And so lastly, uh, as we finish through this text, uh, the last P is this, partakers of the promise. Uh, once all this transpired, Rebecca returned uh, to meet Isaac. He saw her from afar, and um, not by afar, uh, but uh, from, from afar. Uh, he saw her from afar, and he came out to meet her. And this is what verse 66 says. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebecca, and she became his wife, and he loved her. Um, so what we've seen in this text, that someone who is in tune with their master, uh, someone who is in tune with God, how they do things and how they take care of their business. Uh, our difficulty today is we have difficulty trusting God, difficulty believing that God is for us, fearful Honestly, we get to be a fearful people that unless we manage the situation, uh, it may not turn out for our good. We think we know how to handle things better than we trust God to handle our own business. So our culture says, instead of following this way of, uh, of handling situations that come our way, all of us are tempted to do it kind of this way that I've put together. One, we just say what we need to say. There's no placing a hand under somebody's thigh and making a promise and looking at someone eye to eye. It seems to be in today's culture that there's no letting our yes be yes and our no be no. We just say whatever we need to say in a particular situation. We make our, up our own narrative for the moment. So we just say what we need to say rather than saying what the truth is. And rather than conforming and praying and asking God to conform us to what it is that we, what he wants us to do, instead we try to conform God to what we want him to do. Rather than asking God what it is that he wants us to do or say, our prayer life consists of trying to cajole God into being our genie in a bottle. God, stay in there till I need you. When I rub on the bottle, when I come to you in prayer, whatever it is that you think you need to do, now I need you to do this very thing for me right now. Grant me my wishes, respond to my checklist, and act, uh, react in the way that my mind has decided that you should. Thirdly, rather than doing it his way, we use the old Burger King slogan. I'll have it my way. Have it your way. Rather than listening to our master like this one did, the God of creation, the God who saves us, the God of truth, we twist what we say, we, 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 use, we become wordsmiths, we're a skilled wordsman, and we make that to our benefit. Fourthly, uh, we try to just get what we can get. We just try to get what we can get. We want what we want. We want it now. And if we don't feel like God is responding as soon enough, rather than being, we're being willing to walk away like the servant would have been willing to walk away, uh, we take the bull by the horns and just make it happen. And lastly, rather than being a partaker of the goodness and kindness of our generous king, 
to be immersed in the fullness of joy that comes from knowing our master, we just use religion when it's convenient. The servant of Abraham is recorded to help us see what it looks like to be in tune with the master. See, the servant was sent as a messenger, as a representative, as a seeker, as a herald, to share the promise. Hey, this is what my master wants to happen. He loved his master. He, he trusted his master. He wanted to do all the things his master told him. He didn't cut any corners. He didn't do it his own way. He didn't delay in anything that he was doing. And the servant, by being in tune with the master, points us to the fulfillment of this in the faithfulness of Jesus. What are the similarities behind this? Well, in the promise, Jesus was the promise, right? Jesus was the fulfillment of the promise, and he was the one who come to save his people. He says, I come to seek and to save those who are lost. I give life. That is what Jesus said, that he said, there's no turn, and Jesus said, there's no turning to the side. There's no turning back. He did just as his father called him to do. Jesus operated by prayer, just like the servant. Jesus operated by prayer. He regularly stopped and asked the father to help him in all kinds of situations, where to go, what to do next. He trusted the father to perform the miracles that he was about to do, even when he was here on the earth. In the garden uh, there were droplets of blood whenever Jesus would pray and talk to the Father. Droplets of blood came from his, from his head because he was so intense in his prayers that the Scripture told us that that's how intense that he was and, 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 and what a stressful situation he was in. He knew what was about to occur. He knew that he was about to take on the weight of your sin and my sin. But even then he prayed, not my will, Father, but your will be done. Jesus was particular. He was very clear. Listen to this. Jesus was very clear. He was just like this servant. Jesus was very clear whenever he had his message. He said this, unless one is born again, he what? Cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born again, he's very, he didn't mince words. He didn't turn to the left. He didn't turn to the right. He said, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That message is for each of you today. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And Jesus went on to say, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is a very specific message and a specific way that Jesus talked about this when he said, I am the way. You can't get to the Father any other way except through me. Very specific with his message. But in that, Jesus made provision for each of us. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, that would be you as well, just like he says, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. Then in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, that's you, 
Whosoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Because God's not mad at you. God didn't send his son to the world to condemn, to condemn the world, but so that the world, so that you may be saved through him. And whenever we turn to Jesus with this promise, whenever we repent and believe our sins, he makes us partakers of his kingdom. Second Peter 1, 3 through 4 says this, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Listen, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. You become a partaker of of this goodness of God whenever you repent and believe and you trust Jesus. But it takes faith, real faith, for us to live this way today. It takes faith to trust God, to trust the master. It takes faith to trust the process. It takes tr faith to trust that this truth is sufficient for the moment. To trust our marching orders that Jesus has given us, not to be distracted by others or co others' comments or agendas or our own fears or our own insecurities. It takes real faith in the one who sent us. And so as Christians, the redeemed of God, you and I are sent people. We talk about that regularly here at Refuge, that you and I are sent people if you're a Christian. You are sent with the good news of the saving grace of God. And so I want you to say this with me. Like the servant in the story, we are Jesus' messenger. You say, I am a messenger sent. Yeah, we are Jesus' representative. Say, I am a representative sent. Come on. You are a Jesus seeker of the lost. Say, I am a seeker of the lost. We are Jesus' herald. Say, I am a herald sent. We are sent to share the promise. Say, I am sent to share the promise. So the question becomes, as you're wrestling with what I just asked you to say, the question becomes this. Are you a servant of the master? Are you a servant of the master? If you are, I hope your life is a reflection of that. I believe that's part of what this story, I think this story points as the servant. It points to Jesus, who was the obedient servant, who did exactly what his father called him to do. And by that, uh, those of us who are part of the household of faith, the same thing is, is, is for the calling for us. For us to be a reflection of the one who redeemed us. And so today, I want you to visualize Jesus with his hand under your thigh. You sitting in the chair. You sitting in the chair and Jesus coming up to you, just like Abraham, just like Abraham did, where Jesus is saying, this is what you want, I want you to do. Go. Make disciples. Believe all that I've told you. You're sent in the power of the Holy Spirit. These are your marching orders. Do them exactly like I've called you to do them. That's all of our marching orders. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. Don't change my orders. Do exactly 
what I call you to do. That's the calling for those of us who've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. If God can do that with a potato, think of what he can do with you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, listen, that's some of you in here. If you're not a follower of Jesus, if the Spirit of God does not live within you, the Spirit of God, that didn't resonate within you, if you didn't think about God staring you in the face and going, these are your marching orders, if you're going, I, I don't have any idea what that is, that's not me, uh, I, I don't, that doesn't resonate with me at all, then maybe you need to become a Christian. Maybe you're just a religious person who's kind of going through the motions, and if this doesn't resonate with you at all, then, then my encouragement to you is not to listen to the master about going and making disciples. My encouragement to you is to listen to the master when he says, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, which means to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord to turn from your sins to say, I recognize that I sinned against a holy and righteous God and I need his righteousness credited to my account. So I need you to take all my sins, God, to cover them under the blood of Jesus that he shed on the cross and believe the good news of the gospel. That Jesus lived the life you cannot live, that he died on the cross to cover your sin debt and three days later God raised him from the dead. The scripture says that if, uh, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, if we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. For with the mouth one confesses, and with the heart one's, one believes and is saved. Some of you need to be saved today and become partakers of the grace of God found only in Jesus today. We want to give you that opportunity. I want to, th th this is something for each of us today, that each of us are either going to live under the marching orders of our master to go and make disciples, and that's what I want us to do here at Refuge, to be a disciple-making group of people. And some of you need to become part of that team by becoming a Christian today, repenting of your sins, believing the good news that Jesus rescues sinners like you and me. We're going to give you that opportunity after we pray. Let's pray together.